Spooch. Video vampires. <laughs> with, <laughs> with Jessica? And Mickey. I don't even I don't even know how that started, but yeah, I was sure. I was thinking like seventies porno music, and that's how it came out of my mouth. Okay, as uh, I thought it was beatboxing, <laughs> but uh... I was trying. <laughs> I tried so hard. Um, Good, dude. I've been so I've been watching. We we had a discussion about this because I'm I'm really ready to join a cult. So I just watched a Wild Wild Country about the Rajanishas um they it's a, it's actually like an incredible feat you know these people came um with their own religion and then they built a small their own small town in like antelope new mexico they just and then they basically systematically took over uh the government of this town as well it's it's actually pretty brilliant i mean i loved it i'm ready to subscribe if anyone is like having a cult um thing happening soon just make sure that you invite me i'm like totally open to it at this point um no like jim jones shit or anything like that but you know but, maybe you know, some like, like sex cult i feel like you're not honestly just i'm gonna have to say i don't feel like you're working hard enough because i don't feel like cults are any like in any position to be like turning down members like i'm sure if you just <laughs> look up cults you'll find one they're like hey can i join they're like yes you can like, that's gonna be in my search engine before i die it's just gonna be like what cool cults can i join <laughs> yeah i mean there's always going to be a comet that's coming or a meteorite or you know the yeah. end days or just somebody who wants to grow vegetables and fuck everybody and that's I what i want and i'll i can live in a little compound i'm like probably re i take care of my succulents so i feel like i can grow things so just let me join uh, yeah you're like kind of like an agricultural patty hearse this is great yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so and and that's on Netflix. It's it's really cool, by the way. So I've just been like watching TV. Pretty much, I've just been watching everything new on HBO. Like, so HBO Max is is has these shows. Um, some of them are HBO Max, and some of them are just HBO. But Raised by Wolves, which I I talked about last episode. I watched yeah. the first episode. I haven't watched all of them because, like, I mean, we, it was the first. But the first one, I was like, I'll give it a shot because I told Jess I would, and I was so blown away. I was like, Yeah, I'm fucking damn. saying, dude. I'm yeah, fucking it's really saying. good. Okay, good. I'm glad you liked it because then I would have like thought you were suspect after it. If you no, didn't. it was really good. Okay, good. Um, well, we're we're close. We're, the next episode is the finale, and it's still just so. I feel like more unique. Like it's not. It doesn't feel like a used idea, even though you you know obviously religion archetype is is used and everything. But I just feel like it's really cool. It's really fucking cool, and it's scary and it's weird. And it's gross. I just, I fucking love it. I really love it. Um, I hope it continues that way to the, you know, to the finale. And then I know it got renewed for a second season already. So I'm, I'm really just happy with it. And I feel like that's rare to say about anything nowadays. It's good. I mean, uh, it was really, I, I, I'd actually have to say like, it's weird. Cause I, I think on a level of fun, which is weird that I'm about to say is I think Lovecraft country is a more fun show Raised by Wolves is like a better show. It's just, it's all around. It's just like such a neat little, it feels like a fucking movie. Whereas, or it feels like a really good sci-fi movie. Whereas Lovecraft Country keeps, I love Lovecraft Country, but it's like, it keeps diving between being a horror movie and like a pulp novel. I mean, that's what it's trying to emulate is those pulp novels of the, you know, of the old days. But like, there's an, there's an entire episode where it's like, this just feels like an Indiana Jones movie. But. Yeah, I and I get that. It does feel I get it. It's like issue by issue or or story by story and and whatever and and, and some of it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it, but I think what raised by wolves is a better 
it's it's just it's a much better package. It's really uh it It's really fucking cool. I mean, it really is. And H- HBO is putting out I think like really great content right now. Um so you have Raised by Wolves. They just did the third day. So the third day is about 3 episodes in. I've only watched I've only watched the first two. Um it's with Jude Law. <clears throat> And he finds this kind of like weird, magical, mythical like city. Like he's he's in the woods. Um, he's paying tribute to his dead son. He finds a girl about to kill herself, and he stops it. And he brings her back home. But it's like one of those towns, and you've seen it in other horror movies. I think actually they they made a horror movie about it. It was like a uh, woman in black. What was that Harry Potter guy? He did that yep. horror movie. Woman, so. Woman I remember it distinctly because there's like places you live that are, are covered by the ocean and then the roadways only open at a certain time during the day. So these, these little towns exist there. I think they're really fucking cool, but it just like, it's very magical and like has a lot of folklore in it and it's like really eerie. And then you're adding in like old memories and psychedelics. I think it's really fucking cool. I, I really like it so far. It's called third day. Um, yeah, I, I've seen trailer. I've seen the previews for it. I mean, the the cool thing about the way you're saying about the roads and everything like that, all that stuff, like where they they get washed out, you know, washed up. And yeah. Then, you know, uh, same thing happened with the Shawnee Bean family, the, the the Scottish family that like you know the Hills of Eyes was based on. But they lived in a cave that the entrance was only gonna was only visible or only accessible during I think low tide. During high tide, it was like you couldn't get into the cave. But they lived there underneath this cave, like bred for generations and like high like pulled people off the roads and like brought them back to the cave and like ate them and like stole their belongings. And then, you know, that's what the Hills of Ice was basically <laughs> based on. But I love, always love the idea that the cave to, to where they lived, where they were like living and fucking and breeding for years was like covered by the ocean. And I was like, that's so cool. Yeah. It's wild, isn't it? It's just, it's just really weird that things exist nature. like that. Fucking nature, man. Um, and then we are who we are. Um, is like a coming of age show um, done by Luca Guadagnino. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy um, Suspiria. Yes, and Call Me by Your Name. Um, I, you know, and I, I've talked about my feelings on Suspiria and and how I, I don't really like it, but there's parts of it that are really brilliant. Um, I feel like he was just too ambitious with the story and and whatever, but. Um, I really love his stuff, especially about adolescence. It's just like, it just feels so raw and real and there's a lot of heartbreak in it, but like everything is so heartwarming as well. So, um, I don't know. I think it's really cool. It's kind of dealing with, you know, what kids have to go through today, but they're on a military base station in in Italy. So it's about, you know, an American base in Italy and just like all the kids that are dealing with that and dealing with everything and like, I think it's just really fucking cool so far. I mean, <clears throat> we're only in a, a few episodes in and it's already just like tugging at everything that, you know, you grew up with and like fleshing it out. So I don't know. I, I think it's really cool. And I, I think he does really cool things like that. And and I really love it so far. Did you That's see a- Call Me By Your Name? I have not. Uh, I did not. I know. I know. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of art house stuff that like 10 years ago, I was like, Oh, I had to see this movie, and now it's like I don't know. Like the older I've gotten, like the I was thinking about this the other day. There was like a lot of movies that I would like. It wasn't just genre stuff that I loved. I mean, I liked. I I would go see anything. You know, I would. I was. I would get excited about going to see everything, and now I just I feel like I've become very much like uh, I don't know, very too little, too stubborn, and I'm aware of it. So I'm trying to like, you know, I'm trying to break that. You know, like but I I I don't I don't watch I haven't watched anything new in a while. You know. Um, 
so no, I haven't seen you call me by your name. Um, I wanted to, I did want to see it. Um, I just haven't gotten around to it. I did see Suspiria as we know. And, uh, you know, I talked about that. We talked about that on quite, I think two episodes. Um, but, uh, and I kind of felt I, I'm a little bit more lenient about it than, than you were, but I do think he's brilliant as a director. Yeah. Uh, I was interested in seeing it. I just haven't, uh, um, I haven't gotten around to watching that either. It's just, there's so the problem is there's so much fucking content that I'm like, Oh my God, what am I going to watch? What am I going to watch? And then I just always end up falling back on like, I can't think, I can't think of like, I can't make a decision. So I just go, I'm going to watch this thing that I've watched a million times because I don't have to fucking think. Whereas like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like what show am I going to watch? Am I going to watch this? Am I going to watch that? It's like, there's so much fucking content that um, I don't know what to do with myself. It's, it's overwhelming. And then you want to, you want to watch something that makes you feel comfortable. I totally get that. I've been, you know, I've, I've rewatched the, my favorite shows over and over and over again to the point where I know them by heart just because, yeah. you know, they're my comfort. Yeah. I mean, and uh, I don't know. I mean, that's <laughs> also just, I haven't had as much time to like watch. I mean, like, we do their Friday night movies, um, you know, that I, I, I plan and everything like that. Um, before, like two weeks ago was Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which yeah. my wife had seen all the way through um and she was like i just thought it would be more fun and i'm like ah, you're fucking insane because no i hate that movie Wait, I know you do. it's not fun at all <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a blast. i love that movie and then uh last week we were talking about not fun movies fun but it was a little rough uh to watch now but it, uh we rewatched. uh i well my wife had never seen it again and i hadn't seen it in years but maniac cop 2 which is a great movie but a movie about a cop killing people isn't that, it doesn't really, uh, it, it's not holding up very well in this uh, day and age. <laughs> um, yeah. But that being said, it is one of the best fucking sequels of any movie. Uh, it is the Godfather 2 of Maniac Cop movies. It's funny, um, we were just talking about that with uh, my friend Carrie, who's been on the show a few times. Um, because all of the Maniac Cops, I think, are on Amazon Prime. And I was like, oh, there's like three of them. I didn't even know that. And she's like, what? You haven't seen them? So no, I haven't seen Maniac, Maniac Cop 2 or 3. Uh, Maniac Cop 2 is, I'm not, I'm not joking. Like it's, it's, it's a, you, it, to really appreciate it. I think you should watch Maniac Cop 1 first again, rewatch it. So you can see like the level of like, of, uh, onwards and upwards that the second one does. Like the second one isn't like, it's like there's sequels like Fright Night 2, which I, I find entertaining as a movie, um, is a terrible sequel to Fright Night. It feels like it's done for less money. It feels like it feels like a smaller production than what the first one was, which was already a pretty you know simple affair. Maniac Cop Two just fucking ups the ante. Like there's so, there's a there's like a fucking crazy. I don't want to say chase sequence, but like a, a car sequence. Um, there is a fucking straight up Terminator reference where he just comes in and just like wasting everybody in a police station. Um, it's fucking sick. Like Maniac Cop Two is fucking rad, and it's like. Uh, the guy who directed uh, uh, was William Lustig, who did um, Maniac, which we did an episode on, and he did Maniac Cop One, and he did part of Maniac Cop Three, and then he fucking was like, "Fuck this!" Like there was a problem with the uh, production, and him and Larry Cohen, who wrote all the Maniac Cop movies and did God Told Me To, which we also covered. We also did, yeah. Um, it's a, it's really, actually I, I think uh, you know if you're a fan of Maniac, which we watched, and, and God Told Me To, or any Larry, other Larry Cohen film, you really should watch at least the first two Maniac Cop movies because. That's them, the two of them coming together, you know, they, 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 like Larry Cohen wrote it, William Lustig directed it. And it's like, you want to talk about New York sleaze? It is perfect. 
Um, well, you know what's funny is um, I, uh, for some reason, this made me think because I was thinking of Taxi Driver um, when you said New York sleeves. And then um, so I watched this, the Bernard Herman documentary. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I found it, you know, one of the movie groups I follow, someone posted it and it's only about an hour long. Um, it was done in the 90s. Uh, so it's, it's obviously a little old, but it had a lot of things in there that I didn't know. Like, I don't think I ever knew that him and, um, uh, what's his face got, uh, had a falling out and like, they had like, Hitchcock. yeah, they had like a Hitchcock. Um, sorry, my brain is malfunctioning cause I smoked before we recorded, but, <laughs> um, yeah, they had a big falling out and a big thing. And like, it's funny cause you know, the, at least in the documentary, it's all very one-sided on you know pro herman everyone was like hitchcock is a cunt like that little fucker was like just a bastard <laughs> and like they were just like he really had it out for herman because like you know just the, their whole relationship fell apart and i was like what the fuck i was like damn i didn't know any of that because you know i was watching nurse ratchet which is you know i guess part of ryan murphy and then in others um you know new show and it's just fucking terrible it's a, it's a terrible and glossy but you kind of like it anyway even though like yeah. all, all his shit is terrible except for pose which is fucking perfect um but they use the you know the his uh cape fear you know oh. bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Um, iconic and so uh, i found that documentary and i was like cool i, I want to listen to it or, or i want to watch it and um yeah it it's crazy I, there's just so many things that i didn't know and then also um you know they had gorsese on on there and he was talking about taxi driver and everything but i was like i was like wow i can't believe i didn't know that like the, this whole time well, um, yeah it's funny because like i people always you know we talk about herman's uh you know Hitchcock stuff like Psycho undeniably but yeah. for me it's always like yeah I've always been I always felt like for him, me his strongest uh, composition was the Tax Driver soundtrack like to yeah. me that's just like that is perfection and um, because it's menacing it's soulful it's it's uh it's seductive and like I used to listen to it yeah. all the time just like riding around Boston no less like not New York not even New York but like being on the train listening to that soundtrack on like a, a disc man just being like Man, just feeling it. Um, I also like some of the like he did. Uh, I think he did Sisters with with the Palma. Yes, Actually, I yes. know he did. Yeah, yeah. They talked about that too in the documentary, and uh, it's funny because I had watched that and talked about that a few episodes previously. But yeah, he's done so much, and he's constantly reused. Like I hear that that sound all the time, you know. Yeah. And um, even um, even the person who does Nurse Ratchet, who is Matt Quayle, I think um, he did Mister mm -hmm. Robot. I, I do like his stuff. I feel like he emulates Herman so much in it that it's it's kind of delightful so i i really like some of the pairings obviously it looks good it's very flashy it sounds great but it's just kind of like doo-doo um mm. but it's campy and it's enjoyable so so whatever but i nurse rush is okay but the documentary is on youtube and it's really cool so i would definitely watch it um and then you know i it's funny i introduced someone to split and that's the last thing i want to talk about is <laughs> is a little m night Shyamalan come along and ding dong yeah it's did you see it no i, I wanted to. i like it i think i like it more and more that i watch it it's it is so here's the thing you saw unbreakable right i i well yeah i loved unbreakable that's yeah. actually one of the ones i love his i do not care for six cents but i love unbreakable he he has a good way of making like weird realistic movies but you know very kind of campy and comic booky and like mm. split is no different but it's like 
I, and obviously it's his trilogy, you know, with like Unbreakable Split and, and Mr. Glass, but I just, I kind of like it. It's just like not as gruesome in some ways, but it still has like very dark, you know, content. And um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think James McAvoy is fun in it. It's just like, it's not great, but it's like good. You know, so I feel like people should give him another chance because I know there are some haters out there, but I, I mean, you know, when it came out, I was like, that looks kind of interesting, but I've been burned by him before. And then somebody had told me I could have even been you the ending or like, oh, yeah, you know, it happens at the end. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, just spoil it for me because I'm not going to see it. And then whoever was told me, I was like, oh, man, if I had seen that in the theater and didn't know that was coming because I love Unbreakable. It's like that would have been like a huge deal. I would have been like, wow, this movie, you know, it's like those little things where like Iron Man is a good movie. And yeah. then when Robert Downey Jr. gets up and says, I'm Iron Man, they're like, whoa, you're like, it's a great movie now. Same thing. If you, if you took Iron Man, you just took that line out of the edit. <laughs> it's an okay movie. I'm, I'm sure I imagine the same thing. It was split for how I would have seen it. Like, oh, it's an okay movie. And then you see that part. You're like, no, it's a great movie. Um, I'm also a big fan of, uh, I really don't think Bruce Willis is, I, I, I love him. I mean, I know he gets, I know that people go back and forth with him and some people give him shit. Some people don't. He has done a lot of shit, but. Done a I, lot um, of shit. Yeah, but he also has done some a lot of great a lot of great shit. Um, yeah, but not recently. I feel like he's not even trying anymore. <laughs> if I was Bruce, well, I don't know. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I heard he was great in Looper, though. But yeah, but Looper was still forever ago at this point. It's not even yeah. recent. Yeah, that's true. Well, what was the most recent thing he did besides Split and uh, Glass? I don't know. He's done like more of those like buddy cop or like death. I uh, more death wishy buddy cop i think he's actually given up on since the kevin smith thing but that's i don't know yeah that was, I, I, that was pretty awful he's done like oh yeah it's all like hard kill survive the night trauma center these are the movies he's fucking doing i don't even think these went to theater you know like what when the fuck did these come out <laughs> i mean you're really not trying when you're like no this movie's called trauma center it's like, yeah oh, oh. glass is cool though i yeah. and he he's that character and i remember liking him i think you yeah. should give them i'll give him a chance give I'll him give a little him watch give him a little watch i will um I, but I, yeah I I mean, I, 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 I was going to say, my wife and I watched a movie called The Watermelon Woman, which is this um, 90s independent film directed by this um, lesbian black filmmaker. And it's this weird movie where she's playing a character that's like named after herself. And it's like, almost, and she's playing the main character. And it's like, she's trying to discover the background of this like famous, like, or not famous, but like this kind of like background actress from like the old like you know old day, old hollywood days like this black actress who was only known as like the watermelon woman and she's obsessed with finding out who this woman was and finding out as much as she can about her and it's like it's a story about like you know um being gay and being black and and being both in the 90s you know and being a filmmaker it was this really interesting film and the woman who directed it directed um and I, I this was like kate my wife had like was watching like a um a zoom or some sort of like, you know, thing with like all these uh, female directors. And she was one of them. And uh, that's why we watched it. But then uh, we watched Lovecraft country a few, a few nights later. And one of the episodes we watched, she directed. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. It's the one I won't give anything away, but I'm, I'm almost 90% sure it was the episode with the stiletto heel. If you haven't seen it, if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, brace yourself. Cause it's fucking rad. Um, but she directed that. And uh, oh, cool. I really, yeah, I, I really, I, I, the movie wasn't entirely my cup of tea just because it was one of those movies where I was like saying to my wife, I was like, if this was 1990, if I had seen this when this movie came out, I would have loved this movie up and down, you know, 
but I don't know. There's something about it. Like it was just a little, some of the dialogue is like, it's not some, actually the dialogue is fine. It's some of the acting is so rough, but not even like in a fun way. It's like almost like in a, Oh man, rough. But it, it ultimately I, I'm, I said to my wife, I was like, this is the type of movie I'm glad exists because it should, it's awesome. Uh, in that regard, it's like a really, it's the story's really fucking strong and it, it, it is entertaining. You don't get bored watching it, which is, you know, um, it's just some of the acting is just painful. Um, I watched that and then, um, God, I really, you know, honestly, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you that I didn't see anything. And then after we record something, like, fuck, I forgot this movie. I forgot this show. Um, I mean, we definitely been watching the Val. Um, which, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to join a cult. Um, you know, it's funny. Cause like my wife made a really good point. She's like, what the fuck has he said in this entire, all the footage we're watching of him. What has he said that's so fucking appealing? Like, why, you know, and I'm like, I, I think it has to do with, like, the idea of acknowledging your pain and and working with it as opposed to working against it. And, like, I the point about most of, like, a lot of things with a lot of cults is that there's there's a point where you're like, oh, this doesn't sound that bad. And then there's that turning point where you're like, oh, this is terrible. And uh, I kind of agree with my wife where it's like, I don't even see the part where this is not that bad. I just see this as, like, a weird self-help for thing for executives that sucks you know um like it's a boring cult and then um you know they're playing volleyball like that's the weirdest thing i don't know what the volleyball thing is listen i tried to play volleyball once and i was really not good at it and it's not that fun especially when you have a bunch of like angry lesbians mad because (laughs) i joined this team and uh we can't even play volleyball it wasn't even a tryout we just joined the team and they were like you guys can't play it was awful but, but he explains it in the documentary. Yeah, but it doesn't like, even still doesn't even make sense. It's just stupid. He talks about pain in it. I saw that one where he's like, "Yeah, that's not talking about." Hit the ball and it hurts, but it's good. And I'm like, this guy is a fucking psycho. Yeah, he's a, he's 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 a weirdo. But he's like, you know, um, um, but I hate him. Um, I hate him. I hate his fucking volleyballing. I hate his fucking. <laughs> I, I hate his fucking headbands. I hate his fucking like. I hate him sitting down with the Dalai Lama. I just fucking hate that dude so much. Um, I really, really do. Um, it was nice to see Casper Van Dien get a get a uh, recognition in, in, a, in a episode at one point because he was married to Catherine Oxenberg at one point, and I'm like, ah, Casper Van Dien, star of Starship Troopers and co-star of Sleepy Hollow. Whatever happened to him? Um, that's it. I've been watching The Vow, and I've been watching. Um, I watched Maniac Cop two, and we watched The Watermelon Woman, and I feel like that's uh. I, I, I finally I watched The Boys and that was one that I was kind of waiting on because it's funny uh, for some reason people thought that Amazon was going to drop it all at once and so they did episode by episode and that enraged people so they voted it down even though they liked it and they wanted to see it so like this is just how stupid <laughs> how stupid America is is that you know we need something right away and we're just petting children and then we voted it down because it wasn't available to us when we wanted it. But anyway, I waited like a regular human and then binged it. <laughs> uh, so there's been a few episodes. It is, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous escapism. But, you know, like uh, how, how, Homelander is like this insane. It was like if, if someone granted Trump powers and he just like was going around being crazy, like that's who Highlander is. So uh, it gives you an idea. He is going around being crazy. And uh, you know what the- I mean though? Like if he could like burn people with their his eyeballs and stuff like that. Um All right, which I'll he can't, thank God, uh, you know. Yeah, right. Um but <laughs> 
but yeah i don't know it's just completely ridiculous but it's wildly entertaining there's it's like bloody and yucky you know how all of garth ennis's stuff is anyway um you know of course seth rogan had to make an appearance in his own fucking show that he produced which is so annoying but you know otherwise i i liked it Mm, yeah i um i i I haven't watched yet i'm that one I don't know. I thought you would. I actually thought. Oh, that's right. You did. You did see the first. You were the one who said that it was okay. Like I just remember like being really let down from like what I saw of Preacher. That I was like, ugh. I was like, I don't want. It that. is. It is. Yeah. I think we we probably discussed this because I hate Preacher. I don't like the way it went, and uh, I it made me hate Seth Rogen. But the boys is is a bit different, and I think just because the material is a lot more vague, yeah. like it, you can yeah. do a lot more with it. I guess where Preacher feels so. Like it has to adhere to a certain storyline, or it sucks. Yeah, and and I think I yeah I know what you mean, and like I, I for me preacher is uh, I I prefer that one over the boys anyway as a comic book. So that, that one oh yeah that material is a little more sacred to me than the boys. I enjoyed the boys, but I definitely um I, I could I wasn't like oh no it has to be the certain way or it's going to be terrible. It's more the three words preacher. I agree where it's like no I want to be pretty rigid about like where how I feel about preacher because. You know, it is what it is. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I could have watched. But I think it was, yeah, The Vow, Lovecraft Country. Um, a lot of stuff on HBO, a lot of content. Yeah, like I said, too much, too much content. Uh, can't keep up with it all. Um, but yeah, I mean. Uh, well, it was nice to take a little departure. I mean, we've been doing 70s, I feel like, for a while. Like the last few movies that we've done um have been have been the 70s except for ice cream man so uh we decided to do another 70s movie (laughs) yeah um and um it's one that i've been really 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 wanting to watch for a long time and i'm glad that we did are Um, you glad i am i am and i will explain um oh hold on real quickly Uh, i did watch something else We, we have disney plus mr boogity i don't know if you remember that but i watched it it'd been the first time i'd seen it since i was like i don't know i don't know if i have you're not missing anything. Okay, so uh, back to the movie that we watched. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you want you want to kind of give them a little backstory of what we watched, dude? I don't even. It's uh, it's called Ruby, um, nineteen seventy seven, um, which is interesting because this movie came out pre Halloween, and I guess it was like, the largest grossing indie okay. film that had been released. Um, but it's about you know this uh, this mob guy gets shot in front of his pregnant girlfriend uh she ends up um working or or managing this like drive-in um theater um and then and and then her mute daughter gets possessed by her dead mobster boyfriend and terrorizes everybody well her daughter her daughter gets possessed by her father like yeah yeah the daughter is is yeah the daughter gets possessed by the dead mobster boyfriend who is her father, but it's also, that's, that's very weird. It's very, it's very weird. This movie is very fucking weird. It's actually very ridiculous. I watched it and I was like, this is the most ridiculous. Who pitched this movie? Like mob, get this. We have a mob opening. They're all in suits and they have like greasy hair and it's like a mob scene. And then he gets shot. Like who made up this mob guy was actually like a demon possessor. Like, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, I think it's supposed to be a ghost story, but um, yeah, I mean, like, it, I think the important thing is that, like, it, this movie is, it, you know, the the woman who plays Ruby. He has supernatural powers. That's 
more a, than just he's a, a ghost. ghost. He's a ghost. Go, uh, how he ghosts possesses, not have... He possesses his daughter and then tries to just seduce the mother. It's very uh, Pornhub. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Now, <laughs> all right. So it's a ghost story. It's a ghost story where, and, and you're like, how can he have all these powers? The ghosts, by definition of being ghosts, have powers because they're fucking ghosts. So why can't he be like, okay, so he's not just, but it's, but where you know it's not just that he's possessing his daughter it's he's trying to get revenge on all the mobsters that um you know were responsible for this like execution that they well this this, they they killed him in the what is the woods the swamp i don't know where the fuck he gets shot i don't know why they're in the swamp because it's florida and it's you know (laughs) was it florida (laughs) yeah i I mean (laughs) casino florida man possesses daughter um (laughs) But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's this like ghost story where he's like you know bumping off his um, his you know his former fellow gangsters. Mom, yeah. yeah, and and but the the mo- the main character Ruby is played by Piper Laurie, and she's kind of playing another crazy mother, just like but um bum ba Carrie, uh, which is like, mm-hmm. go ahead. Well, I was gonna say she she's actually great in this movie. She's the best part of this movie. Like I feel like Hands she's down. just. Yeah, she's just miles above everybody else in this movie. And and she plays that so well. And, and Carrie is such like an iconic role for me. I'm like still terrified of her. And I still see her in that fucking nightgown. Like I'll never get it out of my memory, even though like she's played so many other roles. But she was great in this. She she really was just playing this like washed up, you know, like what my life could have been. I was a singer. I was a singer, Jake. <laughs> I, I love Piper Laurie. Um, I, I mean, uh, I it's funny because for me, Carrie came after seeing her in Twin Peaks. Uh, she, she's a major part of the recently original series of Twin Peaks, and then, um, and then I eventually saw Carrie when I was like a teenager, uh, and I was like, oh my god, you know, like she's amazing in it, and like she was. I mean, like the Hustler with Paul Newman, she's fucking fantastic. Like Paul, like Piper Laurie is just fucking amazing, and um, I mean, she's even in the faculty for like ten minutes, and she's awesome. She plays yeah. like. The exact opposite. Like, I imagine that was probably her greatest acting performance because she's playing such a mousy, quiet, like, you know, uh, nervous teacher. Whereas I'm like, there's no way Piper Laurie was ever like that in real life. You know, like she really had to act to pull that off, you know, whereas I imagine her in real life being exactly like how she was in Ruby or Twin Peaks or The Hustler, you know, kind of like this booze drinking, tough broad that you wouldn't want to fuck with at all. Um and just you just don't want you, you you know she'll fuck you over in any any second you know um I love that uh, she's great I actually I really enjoyed this movie a lot um I think it's it was uh, I enjoyed it because it's ridiculous oh my god I I do like it first of all the movie's supposed to be set in the fifties it definitely it this was released in the seventies but it feels like the seventies I don't think they really did a good enough job to like fifties it up they do. That. They do have, like, some things, like, you know, they're getting burgers, and they're getting shakes, and, of course, you know, like, the fir- one of the first scenes in there is, like, some mob guy trying to take advantage of a girl and then, like, gets killed because he's, you know, one of the ones in the gang, but... Um, all the mob guys now work at this drive That's one of the things I like is that all the mob guys work at the drive-in because they can't get other jobs. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're uh, just, like, not all mob anymore, or... What? But instead of a strip club or wherever else you think, you know, Sopranos, it's actually a drive-in. That's run by, it's run like by Piper Laurie. Yeah, it's run by Piper Laurie, and she's basically like, you know, they. I remember there's there's a part that I really well, like. She's where, remarried to another mob guy. 
but they're never married. They're just like he's together. Just, yeah, they're just together. And he's like he's basically become like a father to her, you know, to her daughter. So like the the you know she she has this lover that she's from what I gathered watching the movie. She is she is with the, the guy who was in the wheelchair in the movie with the you know whatever uh, the one mobster doesn't say anything the entire movie. The one who's in the wheelchair, she was with him, but she was having this other mobster's baby. And the other, the, the guy in the wheelchair found out about it. So he had all of the mobsters execute the guy. And now the guy's getting revenge, um, you know, for everybody, including he's trying to get revenge on Piper Laurie. And yeah, he's using what telekinesis, psychokinesis and possession to do it. And um, I feel like comparatively speaking to the other movies that we've watched as other movies that we've watched that you've really enjoyed. How is this any more ridiculous? So far, this is as it is. is it, first of all, it is. It's like a mom movie. Se- second of all, like uh, all the stuff that happens, I think e- even the the ending really got me. You know, where like the do- there's a doctor there. It gets like weird exorcist like for a while, and this is why I called sure. it possession instead of you know like a demon possession instead because it does get a little weird. There's a doctor there, and he's trying to like bring out the demon or the ghost or whatever possession you want to you want to call it. Sure. Um, but at the end, she like gets all gussied up she looks great by the way to go meet her man who's been killing everybody um and then uh and then the doctor's like she's getting chased by that guy you know that she's been you know have a lover with for a while and uh he's like calling after her and the doctor's like no don't you see this is what she wants and immediately like and she's just like ah (laughs) like wrestling the skeleton i know fucking great i mean but that, just- i don't think that's the fall of the director because i think from what i heard we were supposed to end with her just walking into the water but if you notice too it then it cuts to that abrupt like that abrupt thing that you're talking about where yeah, it wasn't she, it an, another director did that? somebody stepped in and shot that one part which is clear because you can like when you see that point woman in the water you're like is that are they really trying to convince people that that's piper Lari? because it's not <laughs> You know, it's like you don't just slap red hair on some actress and throw her in the water and you go, oh, that's Piper Laurie. No, there's a whole – first off, she wouldn't scream like that. But anyway, um, yeah, so I think that he was going for a more uh, moody, atmospheric feeling to it. And then um, it kind of – you know, towards the end, it kind of falls apart. It seems, and I don't think that's um, – I think that's more indicative of this director's career because Curtis Harrington, um, I was doing – I was reading up on him, and he's kind of a fascinating character. You know, he was like – um, yeah, LGBT, yeah, LGBTQ director who worked with like Kenneth Anger, um, and then you know directed these like movies like uh, Night Tide, which with Dennis Hopper, and Queen of Blood, also with Dennis Hopper, with Corman, and um, and then he did these like weird movies with whoever slew Auntie Rue and uh, What's the Matter with Helen with Shelley Winters, who I yeah, also think I was is gonna a- say he. Go ahead. Oh, uh, you broke up a little bit. Oh, I was gonna say. Um, um I, go I was gonna say he had these. He had these like things for names. I feel like for a while, like he was doing these movies that just had all these names, um, including Ruby, which was which yeah. is kind of funny. But he also did a bunch of, uh, yeah, like whoever slew Auntie Rue. What's the matter with Helen? How awful about Alan? They're just like yeah. weird. Names. And then Ruby. But he also did a ton of TV movies like right. Devil Dog, Hound of Hell, which actually sounds fucking really good. Yeah. Um. I like, oh yeah, he did uh, The Dead Don't Die, Killer Bees, you know, just stuff like that. That I think 70s TV movie, like horror TV movies, I feel like were so much better than like now. Yeah, I agree with sure. that. I mean, I, I think the the idea is that like he was, he really wanted to make like more avant-garde experimental stuff, but he was also, he was juggling between doing that and doing commercial stuff. 
And so I think, and he was struggling with that forever. And like, um, I think that's kind of where Ruby lands where it's like, he, you can clearly see him trying to be trying to make a more of a moody atmospheric movie at a time period where we don't, where that's not, there's a transition. There's a slow transition in horror at this point where it's like, it's no longer about the suspense and the thrills or, or, or building up suspense. It's more about like the visceral thrills and like the, the, I mean, um, the unsubtleties of, or the directness of the exorcist, you know, where things are like in your face, you know, like he's trying to make Rosemary's baby, but the audience is clamoring for the exorcist. I mean, I, I, that's, that's a weird comparison, but that's the best way I can put it. It's like, he's yeah. trying to make something more like an, a more moody and more, um, uh, I want to say Gothic almost, it, you know, as Gothic as you can get in 1950s drive-in, whatever. Mobsters. But, right. But, the, but, but yeah, I mean, I do think he's trying to tell like this kind of like almost like an old fashioned ghost story, but the audience expectations at this point are like, we want to see heads spinning. We want to see fucking people vomiting. I mean, you can see a lot of stuff where they're derivative of the exorcist, you know? Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's just, it's weird because, um, you know, like I said, he, he was clearly got his guy started doing avant-garde film and his first movie night tide is weird. It's like this guy falls in love with this woman who's supposed to be a mermaid at a carnival. And, you know, I don't want to give anything away, but, um, he had some like really cool ideas and queen of blood with the movie he did for, he, he did for Roger Corman uh, had John Saxon and Dennis Hopper, but um, Dan O'Bannon ripped off some of that for alien, you know? So I mean, like Curtis Harrington has his, his fingers are in a few, you know, in, embedded in horror cinema, just not in a overt, not in a big way. Like, you know, some of the other directors that we've talked about, but he, um he really wanted to make, I think he wanted to make weirder shit, but he was also like, I also need to make money. So he was trying to make his movies have a little bit of both worlds where you can clearly see that he likes one world better. Um, and then I think his career just kind of was like, he just kind of started eating shit and having to do television, you know? Um, yeah, but I wouldn't think of, I mean, that sucks to say that, you know, television is eating shit, especially, I mean, especially nowadays, but especially sure. when television television is so uh, beyond and directors are actually choosing to do television instead of, right. of movies. But when you want to be an art, when you want to be like a, this weird avant-garde director, like almost like an art house director, but you're stuck doing like Charlie's Angels episodes. That's what I mean by eating shit. Where it's like you're not doing what you want to do; you're doing what you have to do to like to get by. And like that was the struggle he this guy had. I mean, um, but yeah, he. I mean, what I love about this guy is that he one. I love the fact that he like two like he's, he worked on you know he worked with Piper Laurie. Yeah, you know, he worked with Dennis Hopper. He also worked with Shelley Winters and uh, whoever Celine Rue and uh, what's the matter with Helen. And Shelley Winters is also like kind of like a Piper Laurie esque character uh, actress to me, where she was like this woman who just was not taking any shit from guys. You know, like she fucking owns the room when she walked in. Shelley Winters was in uh, Night of the Hunter, Lolita. Um, yeah, she was, of course. I think she played Roseanne's mom and like you know, um, you know, and Roseanne. Uh, she, I think she was on Delta, the movie Delta Force, where she plays like a passenger on the plane. And she's like, it, and apparently she's like fighting with the director the entire time. And I'm like, I love that woman. She's great, you know. So I think I like that Curtis Harrington was was drawn to these like tough women, you know, uh, especially in like the the um, in the 60s and 70s, where that's not as like um, where the you know, unfortunately because you know the, the Hollywood was a pretty is, is and was a pretty sexist. Uh, fucking field you know you didn't have a lot of these like you didn't have a lot of actresses like piper laurie and shelly winters there were few and far between i like that he like he was drawn to work with both of them you know um but i also like that he's uh you know he had this weird streak of like magic in his movie like he loved 
like he worked with Kenneth Anger, uh, Kenneth Anger, uh, Lucifer Rising. He was like, a, yeah. you know, yeah, we all know. I mean, like he, um, uh, Jimmy Page was supposed to do the score to one of his movies. He didn't. So he like cursed him, you know, like um, Kenneth Anger was like this Hollywood kid who like got into witchcraft. He's like, it's just, he's a fascinating character. And he was also this fascinating avant-garde filmmaker. And uh, Curtis Harrington studied with him and worked with him. And then later on, um, Curtis Harrington would work with uh, Zena Shrek. I don't know if you, you know who she is, but she was uh, Anton LaVey's daughter who like denounced the church of Satan and her father and joined, like, created this, her, her own weird church. I like mm-hmm. that he's just, he's drawn to this weird world of like magic and like, you know, um, chaos magic and all that weird shit that like, you know, um, you read about. Um, but you're like, nobody's really into that shit. Well, there were certain people who were, and it's awesome. Um, and yeah. I, I, always loved, I always loved that about, I, I really liked that about him where he's like, he has this, uh, he has this weird side to him. You know, you look at Charlie's Angels, you look at like, you know, um, he just, what else did he do besides Charlie's Angels? Not, not just, um. I think he did a bunch of Dynasty episodes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. You know, but then he's got these weird movies like Ruby and, you know, again, you know, um, you know, Queen of Blood and, and whoever else. <laughs> I just love saying yeah, I whoever mean, he, slew he Andy Ruby. out movies in the 60s and 70s. He's done a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff yeah. that he's yeah. directed. And, and Ruby is cool. It does have, so, you know, I think this was a guy who just really loved cinema and wanted to do stuff with it and so yes. ruby has it's the sound too so you know those like old school like metal warping sheets that you would do to make thunder sounds it's yeah. all over this fucking movie it really yeah. is i heard it and i was like what is that thunder and then you hear it the little uh i, I always watch shit with the captions on and so it said like thundering and i was like get the fuck out but and so it has these like really cool like um uh realistic effects for for that um, era, I, I do really enjoy them. Um, yeah. Obviously, Piper Laurie is fantastic in it. I do I, think I, it's. Re- I think the whole premise of it is ridiculous. Like, um, but it is. It, it's just kind of funny to me that like this is what people wanted. They wanted a mob ghost possession story. Yeah, um, I mean, it was not it, like as far as it comes. Like in the seventies, like you know, Ruby was the only mob ghost possession story that came out in the seventies. So. In an era that was constantly trying to rip off the next the, the, the next big thing, you know. It's, it's fun. It is it is really fun. And, and you know, Hypolori is just a, a I, fucking joy. Yeah, and I, I do like that you mentioned, like, the old school cinema. Because even, at, like, you know, there's a part where Stuart Whitman, um, who was in Eaten Alive, by the way. He was the sheriff who was trying to help um, the lead character in Eaten Alive try to find her her sister and her father who got who gets murdered. Um but uh, Stuart Whitman, there's a part where he's like trying to drive away. He's trying to escape from the ghost and he gets in a truck and it's clearly the car's just shaking and they've got the camera on him. You know, it's like, that's him driving is like the car <laughs> shaking. And yeah. I love that. Like the rear projection almost. And it's like, I really love that. I do love that look. I think you're absolutely right. Here's a guy yeah. who loved cinema. Um, and, and as weird as he was trying to take cinema, I think he was still in love with the, the old, he, right, here's a great story. He was actually, uh, he ended up becoming friends with James Whale who directed Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. Um, and so I think he still, he, there was, there was still very much a love for like the way films were made. Uh, but then there's yeah. like, this great, there's a great moment in that movie in Ruby where like she goes to confront 
she's like, you know, she's yelling out the ghost's name. Like she's in the middle of the drive-in. It's completely abandoned. And she's yelling him out and yelling out his name. And like, he's talking to her through the fucking drive-in speakers. And then she looks up and there's like one, I don't know if it's a, I can't remember if it was like a mobster or one of the patrons who's like impaled on top of the drive-in yeah. screen. And it's a fucking weird image and it looks really cool. It does um, look really cool. It, it is really cool. And I think this movie would be really cool to actually see at a drive-in. I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, was if this too. is playing, I would go. Yeah, I mean, there was a, there was another, um, there's a great 70s uh, supernatural uh, film called Premonition that I think people should check out. Uh, it's on the, you know, uh, Great American, or not Great American, the American Horror Story um, Arrow box set. And I think it's on the Arrow channel if you guys get that, which is really cool, uh, but called Premonition. I think this would make a really good double feature at the drive-in with Premonition, which is just two really weird supernatural thriller horror movies that uh, have a really they rely their their focus their emphasis is more on the the atmosphere than any sort of like logic um i'm always a fan of that though um i feel like we're you know americans never quite nailed that that style over substance um that like dark or like the italian directors did you know yeah. like Argen argento could get away with i feel like if you imagine ruby being made by argento it would been fucking insane incidentally piper Lari worked with argento on trauma so um but like uh, you know, it was always up in, with the exception of like David Lynch, like it was always the uh, European directors could really like, they could, they could pull off like a movie that has very little logic and more like kind of feeling and atmosphere and dream like um, qualities better than the Americans could. I don't know why. I don't know what, what it was that we were doing that we just couldn't commit to like the weirdness. And I feel like Ruby's only real flaw is that he just can't commit all the way to and it's got some weird moments that you just wish would just lean totally into like piper laurie in that red dress walking down in like the swamp it's like yeah this is fucking this, like let's let's dive more into this you know but you're right there's definitely moments where you're like oh that's pretty ridiculous um i don't know i i i do like it though i i was glad i i was glad to have watched it it was on my list for a long time of movies to watch and uh I, I was glad that it wasn't i was a little weary about it because i was like oh is this gonna be another movie where piper laurie's playing the mom from carrie and she's not she's just playing another shitty mom yeah <laughs> yeah who cares, exactly. about, who cares about her daughter but it's also like look i just want to sleep with my dead mobster boyfriend ghost i can't have a daughter like i just can't be responsible for having a you know a daughter when i've got this dead boyfriend ghost that i keep like getting drunk and talking to or crying to in the middle of the night and you know I, I get Piper Laurie's struggle. I mean, isn't that a struggle that most parents have? That they just want to be with their dead mobster spouses, Boyfriend? boyfriends, go yeah. boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, and not have kids. I, I, I get it, you know. Um, but yeah, it's I, I I actually want to say that as much as as awesome as Piper Laurie is, I still got I think I say the girl who plays um, her daughter. I thought was fantastic. I thought uh, she was it's good. A, it's I mean, tough. It's tough to play that. Well, type you of have. Crazy. Yeah, but you don't have any lines in the first part because you're you're dumb and deaf, and then all of a sudden, and then you know that's the whole thing is she has lines. Oh, she can speak because it's her dead monster boyfriend speaking, dead monster yeah. boyfriend daddy speaking through her. Um, it she's she's good in it. I don't think there's anything stand out about it, but it is creepy. It creeped me out for sure. Yeah, there's. I, mean, it, I just I just think you know it's it's. I feel like. People always forget that, like you know, Linda Blair when she played um, when she played Reagan, and you know, they're like, oh yeah, but Mercedes McCambridge did all the vocal, you know, did all the vocal work for that. And it's like, yeah, but you know, Linda Blair was acting too. I mean, like she, she was she. If it was just the voice, it wouldn't convince you. It's got to be everything, you know. Yeah. Um, and I feel like 
those roles are tough to play when you have to like convincingly play somebody who's, you know, I don't know, possessed or um, don't get me wrong. Linda Blair in the movie repossessed takes my entire argument and throws it out the window. Cause that movie sucks. Uh-huh. But, um, uh, but you know what I mean? Like there's, it, it's, I feel like those roles are tough, especially when you're playing a deaf mute uh, girl who's got to find other ways to communicate, who has to communicate aside from being her possessed daddy has to, um, has to communicate with her eyes. And I think that's a really uh, underrated uh, talent to be able to do that effectively. And I thought uh, Janet Baldwin was her name, uh, but it's weird. Her name is spelled J-A-N-I-T. Uh, I thought she did a really good job. I, I But I mean, obviously the movie is Piper Laurie, 100%. Piper, yeah. There's a scene, there is, there are, the movie's strongest points are the moments where it gets really fucking weird and Piper Laurie's super drunk and she's just singing and talking to a guy in a wheelchair. Oh my God, I love that. I love that whole scene. She looks great too. She's wearing this like really interesting robe with like heels and she looks good, but she's sloshed and she's singing and dancing and she's looking at a poster of herself. I love that shit. I did. I I love that whole scene. I want that. I want that. I guess that's what I'm trying to say is I feel like that's the movie. You can clearly tell that that's what Curtis Harrington is he's the most excited about making is creating these weird sequences. He just feels like he's got to buffer them with, you know, some pretty standard horror movie moments, you know, but the weird stuff in the movie is you can clearly tell this where he's having the most fun. And I just wish there was more of that. Um, I would, I could watch a movie with Piper Laurie now drunk talking to some guy in a wheelchair (laughs) for like an hour and a half. And I'd be completely fine with it. I would go see that. I would drive to orange County to go see that. Probably not. I take that back. Um, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, I just I agree with you. There is ridiculousness to it, but yeah. I mean, no I think I think more. I think the whole premise is kind of ridiculous, but that's that's my whole thing against it. But otherwise, I think it's kind of fun and uh, entertaining to say the least. Like yeah. there are a few moments. There are a few moments where I just straight up laughed out loud. Like I don't think they're supposed to be funny, but now they are. Um, but it's entertaining. It really is. I, I did really like it. And, you know, like I said, Piper Laurie, she's the fucking star of the show. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's, it's, it's not as, it is pretty ridiculous. It's not as, um, I don't know, serious as a bunch of salvagers on a ghost ship getting killed by getting chased by some ghost I never, dude. I never claimed ghost ship to be scary. Um, That's fair. That's fair. You've never, I will give you that. You've never ever made any claim about um, that. I, um, I do like it. I can imagine. I feel like it would be way better actually in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. Actually there um, was a, there was a ghost ship type movie called death ship with George Kennedy in 1980. And I, I remember reading the synopsis and I was like, huh? Okay. I mean, isn't that kind of ghost ship, but not, you know, I don't know. I feel um, like just Ruby would be good in an actual, like, you know, little theater, you know, with some popcorn and, and, yeah. and a late night, you know, I feel like it would be super fun to watch, but, yeah. um, you know, I guess we have Amazon prime. Thank you. Amazon prime for that. Um, no, I, I did really like it. There are parts that are just like so silly to me and like the whole premise is silly, but it's like, it's super fun and it's like really cool at parts and Piper Laurie is just a magnificent uh, yeah. psycho. Yeah, she really is. She really is. I like the, I like the music in, in this movie too. It's kind of a combination of like being really romantic and being kind of trying to be kind of creepy. I like that. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. It's a, uh, yeah, I think you nailed it. I think you, it's a perfect movie to watch at a drive-in or late at night, you know, with popcorn. It's a good popcorn, a nice little creepy horror movie that like 
isn't going to blow your mind, but it isn't going to, you know, waste your time. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. I Florida agree. man haunts driving. Yeah. <laughs> Florida man, mobster, boyfriend, daddy. <laughs> uh yep i hey look if anybody's ever interested in renaming their movies i think jess and i are the people to call they're like like man i got this movie i don't know what it's gonna be called give us a ring i'm we'll pretty yeah we'll we'll get you a winner for sure yeah i would Rolls go see florida man mobster daddy uh <laughs> in a heartbeat um I, in fact i think that i you know what if somebody wants to write that give it just the credit but uh let me know and i will uh i will go yeah. see that yeah for sure <laughs> all right well that's 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 i guess that's the episode um you know uh check out ruby aka florida gangster man daddy um florida man gangster daddy and uh so good i couldn't yeah. get it right and then um we'll and see you next uh, time. see you next time all right bye bye this woman is having a love affair with the supernatural I'm here, Nikki. Uh, baby. How I want you. Something has disturbed him. Something powerful. Very powerful. Ruby! Piper Laurie was frightening in Carrie. She is terrifying as Ruby. Christened in blood, raised in sin, she sweet 16, let the party begin. It's here. It's very strong. First, there was the exorcist, then the owner and Carrie. But nothing you have ever seen before could prepare you for what you are going to see. Piper Laurie. It was never Jake. It was always you. You believe me now, don't you, Nikki? You have to believe me now. I did it for you, Nikki. Look what I did. Stuart Whitman. Roger Davis. The presence is real, with motives of his own. Leslie is a natural medium. What I'm afraid of now is that the presence may be powerful enough to act without the benefit of Leslie's mind. And introducing Janet Baldwin as Ruby's daughter. Ruby will take you further into the world of the supernatural than any film has ever dared.